Hi, and welcome to the Bookish Besties podcast. We're excited you're here with us to talk all things books and reading. We are two friends brought together by our love of reading. I'm Diane and adore my beach life in Charleston, South Carolina with my family and dogs. Reading has been a pleasure my whole life. I read to travel when I cannot leave home, to escape when life gets to be too much, to learn even when I'm not in school anymore, and to make new friends on the pages of stories and by talking to those who share my passion. And I'm Mary, a northerner living in the frozen tundra of Madison, Wisconsin. I've been an avid reader for as long as I can remember and make a point to read every day while still balancing the challenges of work and life. My ideal is to be curled up by the fire with the dog on my lap, a glass of wine on the end table, and a good book in my hands. We would be most grateful if you would rate and review our podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thank you so much, and happy reading. Okay, I think we're good recording. Good afternoon, Miss Mary Kay. How are you? I'm great. I hope you are, too. I am. Thank you. We are very honored today to have Mary Kay Andrews with us, New York Times bestselling author of 24 novels. Is it more now? I think it is. I think it is. I think 24 is an old number of many, many novels. Um, a native of St. Petersburg, Florida, she received a BA in journalism from the University of Georgia and was a newspaper reporter for 14 years. That comes into play in this book. The last yeah. 10 years of her career were spent as a features reporter for the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. Right. Have you ever had, has there ever been a main character that was a journalist before? I don't remember. Well, you know, I actually had a character. I did a very short-lived series, the Truman Kicklider series. And um, he was a in his 70s, and he was a, a retired wire service reporter. Okay. So, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been at least 20 years, I think. Yeah, those books were like in the mid-90s, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a while ago. To get us started, I found a um, great quote by Neil Gaiman. So this is an interesting time. We are on the 25th of March, 2020. The world is in unprecedented, unpredictable places right now. But I always think that books are our most glorious escape. So this is what Neil Gaiman has to say. Fiction can show you a different world. It can take you somewhere you've never been. Once you've visited other worlds, like those who ate the fairy fruit, you can never entirely be content with the world you grew up in. Discontent, however, is a good thing. Discontented people can modify and improve their worlds. Leave them better. Leave them different. While we're on the subject of escape, I'd like to say a few words about that. I hear the term bandied about as if it's a bad thing. As if escapist fiction is a cheap opiate used by the masses, the muddled and the foolish, and only fiction worthy for adults or children is the mimic fiction, mirroring the worst of the world that the reader finds herself in. If you're trapped in an impossible situation, in an unpleasant place, with people who meant you ill, and someone offered you a temporary escape, why wouldn't you take it? <laughs> and I think that's what books give us right in all times but especially now it's it's delightful to open the pages of a story like yours and it's it, it's real and it's real life it's not always easy and pretty but you get into somebody's story and you care about the characters 
we are going to be talking about her new book debuting on the 5th of May called Hello Summer. It's a new season. Conley Hawkins left her family's small town newspaper, the Silver Bay Beacon, in the rearview mirror years ago. Now, a star reporter for a big city paper, Conley is exactly where she wants to be and is about to take a fancy new position in Washington, D.C., or so she thinks. When the new job goes up in smoke, Conley finds herself right back where she started working for her sister, who is trying to keep the Silver Bay Beacon afloat, and she doesn't exactly have warm feelings for Conley. Soon, she is given the unenviable task of overseeing the local gossip column, Hello Summer. Then, Conley witnesses an accident that ends in the death of a local congressman, a beloved war hero with a shady past. The more she digs into the story, the more dangerous it gets. As an old heartbreaker causes trouble and a new flame ignites, it looks like their sleepy beach town is the most scandalous hot spot of summer. So Mary Kay, you have experience as a journalist and now you're writing about a journalist. What part of that world do you miss? the adrenaline and I miss the teamwork. I miss, you know, you're sitting there and you're writing a story. Maybe you turn to the person sitting at the desk next to yours and you go, hey, does this story work for you? I mean, does this sentence work for you? What's that word? I, I'm forever because I work it alone. I'm, I'll stay, sit in my office by myself going, that word, what's that word? That word I can't think of. But in a newsroom, you can do that. You can bounce ideas off of other people. Um, and I miss the sense of, the adrenaline and, and um Conley talks a little bit about that because there isn't much going on in Silver Bay when she gets there um and, until she gets there and then things really start to happen <laughs> right it's not the sleepy little hollow that she remembers right there's a lot of drama yeah which which character in this book did you start with do you start with character do you start with plot How, where do you where do you fall I on? Start, well, character and plot are kind of, for me, uh, really interwoven. So I knew about Conley. I knew that she was a very driven person, very career oriented. I knew that um, she sort of, and she has issues that she doesn't even uh, admit to at the beginning of the book. Um, she's got family issues. She's got commitment issues. Um, so I know who she, I think I know who she is. She, she, she reveals herself to me as I'm, as I'm writing the story. And, um, I knew all I knew at the beginning was that she goes home and she quickly gets sucked into a breaking story. And it's a breaking story that nobody in town wants her to cover. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's a story involving a local hero. And it turns out that that local hero has feet of clay. Lo and behold, he's human. Yeah. <laughs> small towns. I grew up in a very small town. And it's, you know, when when everyone's lives are so intermingled, there there's um, the tendency to protect one because that protects all. Right. Yeah. And I think I live in a small town. It's inside the Atlanta since 285 in Atlanta, so we're a small town um, cradled in the arms of a big city, but we have all those we have all those small town secrets and protectives. Okay. The sense of tribalism is very real in small towns, okay. and um, Conley, of course, is is removed enough from that 
that she has no hesitation in shaking things up and finding out the truth. And for research for this book, I, I went to a small town weekly not far from me, and I talked to, the, to a couple who've been running it for many years, and we talked about what happens, you know, what, what people want you to cover are the, the church socials <laughs> and the new minister and, the, you know, what this fire department is doing and who was named employee of the year at the school board. Rowena's, but she said, you Rowena's know, you column, have, right? <laughs> yes, Rowena's column is called Hello Summer. People like that. They like seeing their name in bold when it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. But they talked to me about, um, they had to do a story about somebody in their town that was very popular who turned out to be a con artist. Mm. And they said, you know, they had to go to church and people would get up and move from the pew. Wow. <laughs> and they would get calls. Yeah, they would get phone calls and they would get uninvited to parties. And that's a real part of uh, what happens when you shake up the status quo mm-hmm. in a small town. For sure. And I think, you know, Grace and this, her sister, Conley's sister, who goes by Grace and her gray, um, felt all along that maybe she was the one who would be left in the town. We, know, we don't know if Conley's staying or going. Her intention is to go. This is just a pit stop. And I think Grayson's right. hesitation was, listen, you're going to stir up all this mud and I'm going to be left with mud on my face, <laughs> you know, you're going to go on your merry way. And this is the town. This is my home. So the right, sisters yeah. had a dynamic there. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about that is Grayson was originally going to be a brother. And my editor said to me, I don't want it to be a brother. I, I want to, I want you to write a sister story. I'd never really written a sister story. Mm-hmm. Um, as closely as, as this one is, I've written stories where there were sisters, but I, she, my editor said, I really want this to be a sister story, and I want you to examine their issues and, and kind of delve into that. And so once uh, Grayson was going to be Garrett, once Grayson became Grayson, then her character kind of took off for me. And, and Grayson is somebody who has her life planned out, too. She's gotten out of law school. She's married. She's got her whole career planned. And then their grandfather, who's been running the paper, dies, and she's called home. Grayson's called home to run it and Grayson's um, pretty bitter about it because her life is, has been interrupted and she's got issues that we don't really quite understand at the beginning of the book. It's the um, firstborn daughter syndrome, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was the second born daughter, so I didn't have quite as much of that. Yeah. I'm the firstborn. I'm the firstborn and the firstborn daughter. So I am. Um, and my, my, one of my girls who is also, you know, she's like, oh, it's so much harder to be first. Like so much more is expected. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's true, but that's her perspective. Well, as I was reading this book and, and, and kind of got swallowed up in it, I'm reading big issues. You know, there's family dysfunction, yeah. there's politics, death, aging family members, love, job instability. And I'm going, ha- but, but none of this ever bogged me down. I just kept reading and reading and I thought, you know why? Because that's just life. Like our parents are aging, people die, you, you know, it's just life and, and how we kind of walk our way through it is interesting. It makes for a great story. And I think it, it gives it a little bit more, you know, heft maybe to deal with those real things. Yeah, yeah you know, um, I am very proud that my books are, are sold as beach reads, but they're not cotton candy. 
right. I'm not interested in writing cotton candy. Um, and I, I do get a little, I get a little um, annoyed when people talk about um, guilty pleasure, reading as a guilty pleasure. Why should reading be a guilty pleasure? And why should reading a book that talks about a woman, a contemporary woman with all the issues she faces, and sometimes the issues she faces are what man to pick, and sometimes the issues she faces is how to get ahead in, in her job. Why is that called a guilty pleasure when, when you know, the thrillers my husband reads, one after the other, he, uh, you know, consumes them like M&M's. Right. Why is that not a guilty pleasure? Right, exactly. So I, I, I totally write beach reads. I'm happy that I would love to be in every beach bag in every home in America. Yes. But uh, I, like to write, I like to write about people who are real, about the good stuff. And, and you know, I have a, I have a um, sense of humor that I can't um, plow under. So I have that, you know, my DNA is in every book. Yes, yes. I think for me, um, what makes a book a beach read, you know, first of all, you tend to come out in the beginning of May, you know, so, so we're all, we're, we're gearing up and, and that's a good thing, but it's a book yeah. for me that I can, with distractions abounding, the story pulls me in enough that I don't care that Frisbees are flying and sand is being kicked up, you know, so for me, it's all how you think of it, but I think of Beach Reads as the most engrossing of books. Like I get okay. in, you know, or, or the book you'll take on the airplane, I can't read every book on an airplane. No, no, no. Um, some books, I, I know, because, you know, when I'm on tour, I, you know, I'm on a plane, on and off planes and rental cars and everything else um, for weeks at a time. And if a book is, if it drags me down too far um, or if the plot is too complicated, I have to set it aside. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's also you know, seasons for reading. I, when it's, you and I are both fortunate to live in the South, we don't get a big winter, but it does get colder. And, you know, in the winter, I'll, I'll curl up with something a little bit more heavy, but um, the right. sun is shining and I want to get, I want a good story. And you tell a lovely story, Miss Mary Kay. <laughs> that's my, that's my job. My only, I can't save the world. I can't find a cure for coronavirus. But my, my job, my aim, my goal is to write a big, juicy peach of a book. And while you're reading it, I want you to feel the juice running down your chin. And when you turn that last page, I want you to sigh. I want you to call your best friend or your mom or your sister and say, oh, my God, you have to read this book. Yes. That's my goal. Yes. Well, mission accomplished. <laughs> it was great. Um I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask you, um, well, first of all, how is your family doing? How are you all doing? So we are in the middle of, I don't know if Georgia is in a shelter in place, um, but we are all in different stages of quarantining, self-isolation, whatever you want to call it. Are y'all well? Is everyone in your house well? Yeah, everybody is good. My daughter and son-in-law live right around the corner with my two grandchildren. And they have been in and out of our house so much nonstop that we have not isolated ourselves from them. They have isolated themselves from the outside world. The kids are, you know, doing homeschooling and my daughter and son-in-law are working from home. Um, so, and they're just literally blocks away. So they're, in fact, my grandchildren are downstairs right now. 
um, my son works in Albany and um, he works on a quail plantation in Albany, Georgia. So he, um, he, he doesn't get around other people during his work day. He's being real careful, but we're healthy so far. Um, God willing, we'll all get through this, but it's, it's, it's difficult. It's scary. It's distracting. Yeah, I know. I, um, kind of the genesis for, uh, for our podcast, um, doing a bunch of these author interviews kind of back to back is so many of my favorite, wonderful authors that I look so forward to his book tours have been canceled. At, or yeah. modified, if not canceled. Um, right. And I just, I hate that for the authors, for the publishers, for the independent booksellers who yeah. their bread and butter is when you authors come to their little stores, it means a lot to people. It means a lot to us to connect with booksellers who, who are the first line of selling. They're the ones that hand sell us to readers. They make that connection, that connection that, you know, Amazon can't make. And, and so it, it means a lot to us. And so I don't know what will happen with my book tour in May. Um, I'm hoping maybe we can salvage some of it, but right now all we can do is, you know, come up with contingency plans and, and, and a podcast like this is a great contingency plan. Right. And I think we're all in that one day at a time, you know, one day at a time. I know most stores, even that have had to close their, their brick and mortar and close their curbside delivery, are still answering phones and pre-orders matter. So you can still yes. call your local bookstore and pre-order Hello Summer. Yeah, I hope people will do that. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they will. You have been um, relatively outspoken about the situation of the world always in politics. I was wondering, so as a journalist, you had to, I have a couple friends who are journalists here in Charleston and they have to be very quiet uh, publicly. Yes about their opinions because there's journalistic integrity and you know they need to be objective. they need journalism should be objective absolutely but you're not a journalist now but you have a public forum how how is that how is that a, a strange balancing act or are you just at the point where you are you take it or leave it well why not to overwhelm my social media with political content or with rants um, I don't want to read a rant every day, day after day, but I have to be, I have to be genuine. And I, I think my readers respect that it's really me. It's not some faceless entity in a cubicle in New York. It's really me. Right. It's, it's really me drinking a glass of rosé and it's really me, um, complaining and, and airing my, airing my, my grief and my beef. And, you know, the other part of, of what I do is my audience, my demographic is largely women. Mm -hmm. And as a woman, I feel that it's my absolute duty to speak out when I see other women um, getting less than they should have. Mm -hmm. So I, I speak out. I try not to make it. I try to make it funny. I try to, you know, soften the blow with humor. Um, but the one thing I won't do is shut up and write. Yeah. Yeah. I will never shut up and write. That's not going to happen. No, I, I don't think any of us should shut up and do anything. <laughs> so it, one of my um, questions that we kind of start the wrap up on is um, my friend and I who started this podcast, we've actually met through our love of books. And we were talking about these independent bookstores, these little indie shops are are 
vacation meccas for us. Like we will travel on purpose to go to indie bookstores. Right, so have yeah. you ever gone on a literary pilgrimage? <laughs> well, I have of sorts, not to bookstores so much, but to, to places of beloved authors. So uh, years ago, I found myself in, um, in Massachusetts, and I was with my sister who was living in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, actually Connecticut. And we had a, a Saturday, and she had a car, and she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go to Concord. She said, what's in Concord? <laughs> Concord is the home of the woman who wrote Little Women. Yes, Louisa so May Alcott. We went to Louisa May Alcott's family home in Concord, Mass, I think it is, or Connecticut. I can't remember which. I think it is. I think it is Massachusetts, but I'm, I'm anyway, we went, we went to, then we went to, um, we went to Mark Twain's home mm. and which is in Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. And, um, and then I've been to Key West and I've been to Ernest Hemingway's wonderful um, house. Home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, when, I'm in a, when I'm, when I'm on vacation, yes, I'm always looking for a, for a great indie bookstore. So for instance, if I'm in, um, St. Simon's Island, Georgia, I'm going to G.J. Ford Books. Wonderful it's a woman-owned store, and I love them. I, they know what people are looking for. When I'm in Savannah, I have a second home outside of Savannah. I'm at uh, East e Shaver Books. <laughs> you know, and so uh, Vero Beach, I'm at, um, is it Books and Books? I have, anyway. Yeah. I have a list. Yes. A, a long list of favorite indies. Yeah, I was just down in St. Bell Island last week and uh, spent some time at um, Macintosh Books, oh, that's which a is great a great little store on St. Bell Island. Yes. There are so many, there are so many great bookshops and I'm just going to, you know, take two seconds to encourage everyone gift cards order online yes. you know most people are still answering their phones somehow some people um some indies do have um a website web shopping set up on their on their website almost all yeah almost all of them do a lot of them have gotten really creative if they're in a small community they're doing free home delivery um most of them are doing curb service like you order a book and they'll run it out to your car and hand it to you with like a rubber glove <laughs> Um, and you can read books um, online. Um, you can buy them online through um, indie bookstores. Uh, and you can also listen to audiobooks um, that you buy through uh, Libros.com. Libro FM so, is a great service that, that then supports your, your, your local indie. And if you don't have a local, you can just pick, you can pick a bookstore that you've gone to that you love. Yeah. Yeah, there are. And you know, I've I've been very impressed with booksellers everywhere are um, think outside of the box people. So they are rolling with the <laughs> rolling with it and making the best of a hard situation. Yeah, we hope, you know, we all hope it'll be over soon. But in the meantime, I think we all need a comfort read, and that's where the bookstores come in. Absolutely, and there are so many wonderful books coming out this spring and summer. I I can't wait to, you know hand sell a lot of these great books to to um my friends at the beach who will be looking for to fill their beach bags <laughs> and we're going to end with a little bit of rapid fire questions 
And this is um, a little bit reminiscent of, I don't know if you're familiar with James Lipton and the Actors Studio. Yeah, he yeah just, we just he, lost James Lipton. He just passed, yeah, in the last, I think, week or two. My time is kind of a weird thing right now, but um, they're not all his direct questions, but it's a take from him. So the first one, what is your favorite word? Scrumptious. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Who's your favorite fictional hero or heroine? Oh, uh, fictional heroine. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, well, it's got to be a woman. Um, um, Madeline. Oh, that's wonderful. I love Madeline. It's funny. I spoke to Kimmery Martin yesterday and she picked Eloise. Oh, yeah, I like I love Eloise too. Love Eloise. Yeah, she's funky and she's a leader. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What are you reading now? Do you have time to be reading now? Oh, yeah. yeah I'm only reading in short, um, short little bites. Um, your, your listeners can't hold up. So I'm reading um, Laura Littman's essays. They come out May 5th, same book, same, same day that Hello day. Summer comes out. Right, My Life as a Villainous, essays by Laura Lippman. Um, they're great. I can read one of these essays during the commercials while I'm watching Rachel Maddow. Perfect. <laughs> and then I'm reading um, Lisa Wingate's upcoming novel, comes out April 7th. And Lisa, you know, um, wrote Before We Were Yours, which stayed on the New York Times bestseller list for about two years almost. Yes. And so her next one is Lost Friends, and it's an, another great book about historic fiction um, with a, a, a dual timeline uh, that takes place with a young um, former slave girl in Louisiana who's on sort of a, um, she's on a voyage trying to find her lost family. And then the modern day timeline starts in 1987 with a teacher who's been uprooted and is trying to teach kids in a very poor town in Louisiana. Mm. So that's, that's what I'm working right on. Work, I'm not working on it. I'm loving, loving, loving it. reading these. Yeah. That one's, I haven't heard of that second one. I'm going to have to pick up Lisa Wingate's new book. It's coming out in a couple of weeks, huh? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. How about this? Are you a completist or a DNFer? Do you finish the book no matter what, or do you, did not finish. No, I, if it doesn't capture me, I have so many books and so little time. <laughs> um, and I, and I don't put, I don't put anybody down if their book didn't, um, didn't float my boat, my boat right away. But uh, I'm going to move on to the next thing if it didn't. Yeah. You know, every decade that I get older, I think I give books less pages before, but I have so often DNF to book with, with no shame to myself or the author and come back around to that book and loved it, loved it. But the first attempt, it wasn't my time to read it. And that's all it meant. I need to go back to a gentleman in Moscow because I just could not get into it. I was the only person I know who couldn't get into a gentleman in Moscow. I know it's a great book. It's a people love it. slow burn, but yes. Uh, and rules of civility. Oh, I just love how he writes. Yes, I love, I love them both. Tolles, Tolles is a great author. Um, this one is funny. What is the best money you've ever spent to help your writing career? Oh, hiring um, 
hiring a marketing person. Yeah. Um, my mother was in real estate for a long time and, and my mom and my parents raised five kids with very little money, but my mom always said to me, you have to spend money to make money. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, as soon as I could afford to hire professional help to help my career, that's what I did. And it's, and it's been, it's been really worth every cent yeah. because my marketing person is my, she's my partner. Yeah. She really, I talked to her on the daily just about, and um, she's got my back. Yeah. And that's so important, right? And, and it's okay. I think as women, there's a lot of pressure for us to feel like we can do everything at the same time. And it's okay that we can do some right. things extraordinary and some things yeah. not as extraordinarily. <laughs> Every dollar that I have spent on, on my career has been a good dollar. I took a writer's workshop when I was still working as a newspaper reporter. I spent my last week of vacation to do it, um, paid my own way to a writer's workshop in um, Yellow Springs, Ohio, where I met Sue Grafton. Mm-hmm. And um, three months later, I sold my first book. So that would be another great, <laughs> probably an even better investment in my writing career because that's what started it. Yeah. Was it that connection with Sue Grafton? Did she did she help you along, introduce you to people, or was it just she just happened to be there also? It was. It wasn't just happened to be. She I connected with what she was saying in a really deep way, and she I had a manuscript conference with her, and she read a chapter in my first book, and she said to me, "You're ready to be published. You're ready to go. You're a writer." And he, even though I'd made my living as a, a writer my whole career and never thought of myself as one, I thought of myself as a reporter, mm-hmm. but that was val- that was the validation I needed. Perfect. Perfect. It's good when life puts in our way the people who we need at that right time, isn't it? <laughs> yes, and it's, and it's further motivation for those of us who've reached some success to remember when somebody else reached out to us um, and gave us a hand or smiled at the right time or said, keep going, right. Keep going, girl. I kind of try to do that. Well, I think you are very gracious to take your time this afternoon to chat with us on bookish besties. I am so grateful and I wish you all kinds of success with hello summer. And I hope some part, if not all of your tour gets to happen and I'll, and I'll see you. uh, I'll see you in South Carolina. I hope so. Thanks again. It's been great being with you. Thanks, Mary Kay. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. Bookish Besties is a production of Tidal Wave Books, LLC, and is hosted by Diane Barnett and Mary Meist, produced by Lily Barnett. Find us on Instagram at Bookish Besties Podcast. Thank you for joining us in talking about all things bookish. We will see you next time.